Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Let me start over. Got, well, welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm excited to interview a friend today, a friend out in the Wild West. And he's not from the Wild West. He's from the, the down, the, what, what is it called? The Down Under? Down Under. The Down Under. That's right. Down so, Under. Brian, yeah. Brian Williams, how you doing today, man? Good, mate. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You're going to have me saying mate by the end of this podcast. Oh, yeah. Everyone. Every, every American I ever talk to ends up calling me mate by the end of the conversation. So it's good. It's like a, like a little personal mission to convert them to saying mate. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you've uh, converted me. So, mate, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get after it. Sounds good, man. Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you for technology. We've all been acquainted with this kind of technology more and more over the last couple months just because of everything that's been going on. So we thank you for the for it, just the availability of stuff like this to be able to talk with Ryan from, you know, a thousand miles away. It's just a pretty cool thing. So I just ask that you would lead this conversation. I pray for all the pastors that are going to be listening in and for anybody else that will be listening in. I pray that they would be encouraged and that you would uh, just help them to turn their attention to Jesus, They would that they would remember Jesus and uh, God, we're just so thankful for the privilege of, of being Christians and husbands and fathers and pastors. It's just an honor. Lead this discussion. I trust you will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Ryan, for those who may not know you, would you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and then what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that most of your listeners are, are American. So, um, yeah, I grew up, grew up in Adelaide, South Australia, um, come from a, a farming family, but, um, you know, uh, grew up kind of in, in the city of Adelaide, which is about a million people um, in the suburbs there. Um, you know, nominally went to church growing up, um, but for the most part, never, never really, you know, committed my mom my mom is a you know Lutheran she's she's kind of grew up in a Lutheran family and uh, but my dad's not a believer uh, and so you know when when it was kind of able to not go to church growing up I, I decided not to and along with my dad and my brother we just kind of let mom go and that was about yeah. it so um, grew up playing Australian rules football uh, that was absolutely my favorite thing in the entire world to do I uh, loved, loved playing Aussie rules and, um, you ended up playing at kind of the college level, um, for, for that, but then had some knee injuries and wasn't able to play anymore and really just kind of saw, um, my whole like identity and who I was fall apart when football was taken away from me because I just made it such, such a huge part of my life. Uh, and so with that, you know, began kind of searching around like, all right, what am I going to do? Where am I going to find my identity? Um, and then, you know, spent about a year just kind of wandering, partying, getting drunk, doing doing everything that I could, wanted to do. Uh, and then kind of got a, you know, lovingly, lovingly spoken to by my folks. And they said, hey, you got you to go find yourself a, a job. You got to go find yourself a career. You got to do something with your life. And uh, so I thought, all right, well, I'm going to go find my identity in a uniform. So I joined the Australian Federal Police, uh, moved up to the Outback. Back, um, which I moved up to, you guys don't know where that is, smack bang right in the middle of Australia, um, okay. right in the middle of the outback desert for the better part of 800 miles, any, any distance you drive for 800 miles straight as the crow flies, it's desert. 
And so, um, you know, moved out there, um, joined the Australian Federal Police, um, you know, really refound that that identity that I was searching for in the uniform, you know, I felt like, hey, I'm doing a good job. This is, this is a good thing. There's, there's kind of an honor to the role that I was in and just felt validated again. And so, um, you know, the thing was, I, I continued, you know, to get drunk and party and go from girlfriend to girlfriend, do whatever the heck I wanted. So I was a full hedonist uh, in that. But honestly, you know, um, I began to settle for a couple of years, but then, you know, that wears off, right? You know, if you try and find your, your whole identity in something that was never designed for it, it begins to wear off. And so, um, you know, wasn't a Christian, wasn't going to church, um, paid no regard to the Lord. And, um, Worked with a guy though who was a Christian. Worked with a guy who um, who knew the Lord, and we were we were just chatting one night shift, and you know, kind of talking about creation and evolution and all these different things. Kind of how did the world come to be? You know, which is what you do at three a.m. when you got nothing right. else to do on a night shift. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and he he was an interesting guy. I mean, great guy, um, but left left school at like fourteen. Forged, forged his papers, joined the Navy, wow. went off, lived, lived a life of sin. And um, you know what? The Lord saved him pretty miraculously. He just kind of began digging in on a lot of these things he didn't quite understand. Uh, and then out of that, man, he, he just... Um, He's like, all right, uh, man, I don't really know about this creation evolution. I'd, stu- I'd studied a bit of science uh, at college. And so I was like, you know, I'm kind of a deistic evolutionist. Um, and he's like, man, I don't really know, but I've got these CDs on Genesis. And it was a Calvary okay. Chapel guy, 24 hours of commentary on the book of Genesis. Wow. And yeah, but here's the thing, man. I was like, when I worked for the federal police, I patrolled by myself in a car for eight hours a day. Okay. And so yeah. I would, I would listen to eight hours worth of commentary, uh, per shift. And so I, I just wow. listened to it. I thought I'd give them back to him and say, yeah, man, this is why you're wrong. This is, this is everything. And yeah, like, like here's a fair case. Yeah, like it was a lot of crazy sin there. There really was. <laughs> uh, but, okay. uh, at the end of the day, um, Genesis one, one stood out in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, you know, I was driving around outback Australia, which has these huge, beautiful mountain ranges. And, you know, you're just kind of like, it's a spectacular place. And as I'm driving around looking at these mountain ranges and the sun rising and the sun setting and um, all of this, this beautiful creation, I was just struck. I was like, man, if God created all all of this, he's big enough because I was looking at my life and looking at the control I had and what I was creating. And it was nothing like the mountain ranges. Yeah. Uh, it was nothing like the sun rising and setting. And you know, this is, this is kind of the spot where I think like Lewis calls it like the hound of heaven uh, was after him. Like, yeah. and it was, I mean, I just was, I like handed those CDs back to this, this mate of mine and you know, he, he gave them back and, and I was like, Hey, uh, could I have some more of those? And <laughs> wow. so he gave me a commentary on Matthew and a commentary on Joshua and all of this other stuff. And it was, it was excellent, man. It really was. And so I began to just listen and read my Bible still didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but then, uh, it was a Tuesday afternoon, about three, four, five months after I'd listened to that Genesis thing. And, uh, I was at home in my apartment in the middle of the Australian outback and the Christian channel was on TV. Now this okay. is where it it's craziness because it, the Christian channel is no like no less orthodox in Australia than it is here. Like okay. it's, it's filled with a lot of crazy stuff. And anyway, it's on TV. I don't know why, like I wouldn't have put it on, on TV. And so uh, I ended up just, just doing the dishes feeling like, man, I gotta go listen to this guy. And it was an American televangelist named Bayless Connolly. And he preached the gospel. Um, and he, he's not super crazy. He's 
pretty okay. pretty solid, you know. Um, and he he preached the gospel, and awesome. at the end, he just said, "Hey, if you want to become a Christian, repent of your sin, trust in Jesus." And so I remember I got down on my knees in the middle of the in my lounge room in the middle of the outback, and confessed my sin, trusted in Christ, and was saved. Man, and from awesome. that moment, man, the Bible began to make sense. Sin began to you know, convict me. I, I saw freedom from sin that I hadn't seen before and got plugged into a great church there, Alice Springs Baptist Church, and got pastored really well by, by the couple of pastors that were there. And they loved me, cared for me. Yeah. And man, just kind of grew a lot in those first couple of years. And, and that was under their care. And, um, you know, with this driving around at work for eight hours a day, I was like, listen, man, I got to listen to some sermons. And my pastors were like, all right, man, download, download a guy like, like John Piper, uh, okay. download, download a guy like Matt Chandler, download, yeah. you know, Mark Driscoll at the time and, mm-hmm. and have a listen to these, these guys preach, preach the word. And I remember I would just drive around and if one of them said a word that I didn't understand, I'd write it down in my notepad and I'd go yeah. Google it when I, when I got back to the station and I, I kind of learned and grew as a believer through, through those guys, but then also just through Google. So man, that's um, cool. figuring out like, Hey, what's sanctification? Oh, I should Google yeah. it and figure it yeah. out. So, there you go. Yeah, man. man that's yeah. cool. That's cool. Now. Okay. So you're in the middle of the outback, you become a Christian and now Alice Springs at the outback steakhouse, there's a meal called the Alice Springs chicken. And it's a great dish. Is that, I guess that's a city. What is Alice Springs? Alice, so Alice Springs is a city. It's a city okay. of about 28,000 people. Okay. It's in literally the middle of the outback, the middle okay. of Australia. You are in Alice Springs. You are a thousand miles to the closest beach. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So you're a thousand miles to the closest beach. And here's the thing. There is not a chicken nor chicken farm in Alice Springs. Because <laughs> okay. it, it's, it's brutally so hot, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's brutally hot. I mean, summers, okay. you mean, you're looking at, at like highs in the 120s. Oh, my gosh. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it is. It Ooh. is outback Australia. And so, yeah, when everyone's like, oh, Alice Springs chicken, I was like, yeah, nah. nah. <laughs> so no, you moved from, from the outback desert to the desert of New Mexico. So what's the trick? So how, give us the, bring us up to speed on how you got from there. Now, now you're in New Mexico. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I, I moved back to Adelaide once I became a Christian. And so we'll talk a little bit about calling, I think later on, and that, that yeah. kind of plays into it. Moved okay. back to Adelaide, started some studies, um, you know, uh, with, with a Bible college there. And then just really felt like, man, I got to get in the local church. I got to be, be serving in the local church. And at the time, uh, Mars Hill Church uh, out in Seattle was offering mm-hmm. internships and retrain, which was kind of like a seminary level training program. Okay. And so I thought, okay, man, I could go do a year, year and a half out there, do some local church training, get some, some formal theological education, and then come back to Australia. And so um, I applied, got accepted, got my visa, moved out in 2011, July of 2011, um, started, started the, you know, started the internship, ended up doing some theological training that wasn't retrained, but was really, really helpful, mm-hmm. was serving in the local church, um, met my wife, uh, which is awesome. the big reason while I'm still in the States and, uh, you know, met, we, we started dating. I was growing, developing, you know, figuring out like, man, what, what does calling look like? What am I meant to do? And then, you know, came on staff at Mars Hill, um, at the end of, uh, middle of 2012. So okay. came on, came on staff at Mars Hill was meant to be kind of trained up to be a pastor, church planner there, uh, ended up taking over uh, a Mars, an existing Mars Hill location up in a city called Everett which is like 45 minutes north of Seattle, um, pastored up there. Um, really, I think I, I became a pastor up there when I was like 26 or 27. And so really young, really green, really had only been a Christian for about four or five years. And, um, you know, 
become a pastor of, of this, you know, this campus, this growing yeah. campus of like seven, 800 people wow. and had no idea what I was doing. And, um, <laughs> you know, then, then Mars Hill dies. Um, we, we relaunch as, as an independent, independent church out of the death of Mars Hill church. Um, you know, really try and love the people, care for the people, grow as a preacher. I mean, I think when I took over the preaching ministry, um, at, at the church, I think I'd preached five times. Oh goodness. And then I, then I became, you know, the, 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 the full-time kind of, you know, communicator there. And so I had a lot of learning, a lot of hiccups along the way, a lot of challenges. Um, but God was gracious, stayed faithful. And, um, you know, uh, after doing that for, for about four and a half years, just began to feel like, man, I just feel like the Lord might be moving us somewhere else. And so I talked to my wife about it, talked to my elders about it, um, that we, we all kind of confirmed that, yeah, the Lord might very well be moving us on. Um, and then the role here down at, uh, down at North Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, came available. I knew the church. I knew, knew their, their lead pastor um, and you know, began to talk to them. And, and he'd moved to Dallas to be closer to family and closer to grandkids. And um, just, just really the Lord opened all the doors. And we moved down here about a year ago. And so I've been pastoring um, at, at North Church now for, uh, for the better part of a year. Fantastic. Okay, we're going to jump around chronologically a little bit in your life because I'm going to ask you about Am I Called? And then we'll kind of back up again. Uh, but first, in Santa Fe, I forgot to tell you when we were talking beforehand, yeah. I had the best burger I've ever had at this little restaurant called Bob, the Bobcat Bite. I don't okay. know if it's open anymore, but I, I did do some research online maybe a two or three years ago. Yeah. And this was like a, a little restaurant outside of Santa Fe that sat about like 13 people. Yeah. And it was one of those restaurants where you get the burger and it's almost like a challenge to eat it. You know, it's like a yeah. pound burger or something <laughs> and you've eaten for the month after you've eaten this. Yeah, burger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was fantastic. So if that's still open, man, you got to hunt that place down. Was it, was it a green chili burger? No, it was just a good old fashioned. It was okay. like a, a pound, a pound and a half, I would say, of meat <laughs> with a bun, and then all the works on it. And it was all right, fantastic. man. Yeah, it was all right, Bobcat Cafe. I'll have to check it out. Bobcat Bite. Bobcat. All right, Bobcat Bite. All right, then. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so now, am I called? I want my listeners to get acquainted with Am I Called a little bit. You got a great tagline: uh, helping pastors live, love, learn, and last. I think I got that right. Mm -hmm, uh, that's but, right. Uh, used to be in the hands of a mutual friend of ours, Dave Harvey. He yeah. passed it off to you. Tell us, tell my listeners about Am I Called and, and all that you got going on with that. Yeah, man. So Am I Called really is just just kind of a ministry that produces content um, really designed to help serve um, current and aspiring ministry leaders, um, pastors primarily. Um, but, you know, true to the name, um, Am I Called is really just kind of helping people understand the, the calling to ministry, um, whether that be an initial calling into ministry um, or that be the calling that keeps us in ministry for, for as long as the Lord would have us here. And we are really praying that that would be a lifetime of faithful ministry. And so um, Dave, who's a, who's a dear friend, um, you know, called me up and said, hey, I'm doing more writing. I'm really going to, you know, kind of, you know, have to branch out into um, just doing some stuff that's really just about Dave Harvey's writing. And he said, but I think Am I Cold is it's a great ministry that's got some legs. And I'd done some writing for Am I Cold in the past. And uh, he said, hey, would you be interested in taking it and just kind of running with it? And so I prayed about it, talked to my wife about it. Um, she, she's a, uh, she has a, a minor in English okay. um, and so has done a ton of copy editing in the past for books that's and great. websites and things like that. And so she, I was like, hey, if we could do this as a team, that'd be a great thing. And, and we've really found great joy doing it together. And um, yeah, we relaunched it about a year ago. And man, just have, have seen God be so faithful to us. Um, we're really trying to produce content that helps serve 
current and aspiring ministry leaders. So on the site, um, if you feel like you, you might be called, there's, there's actually a test, kind of like a you know personality test or whatever. They'll help you do some assessment into, hey, am I really called to ministry? What are people around me saying? It's a really, really helpful um, program. And then all of the articles, the podcasts, the media that we produce it is focused on an audience of current and aspiring ministry leaders. Um, and we want to help them um, really have resources for things that go on in ministry. And so the hope is that over the next few years, we would produce um, content that would be really focused on just ministry situations like loneliness in ministry. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do I do when one of my elders commits adultery? You know, what do I do when, Hey, somebody leaves the church poorly and really just kind of attacking it, attacking that, that idea and th- those situations from the, the aspects of living, loving, learning, and lasting. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we as pastors deal with similar situations, but, but as I've done a lot of looking around, there isn't a lot of writing on how, how do you help a brother through um, what he might be dealing with, you know, when there's contention on his elder team or he's, mm-hmm. he's got, uh, got a leader who, who is just vastly different theological views and how, how do you kind of help, help one another through this. And so we truly, really try and listen to it, to a variety of voices, having a lot of different folks kind of speak into it, write for it so that we can, we can help folks, you know, really navigate ministry um, with all of the hidden reefs and all of the, yeah. the things that go wrong. But, but just, just the desire is that, that one day, one day when a pastor has an issue that when he gets on his computer, he's going to go down my cold and he's just going to simply search for, Hey, what do I do when, um, whatever ministry situation is just have the finances are bad or, you know, um, you know, one of our, our big givers just left or something like that. Right. Um, and that they would be able to find resources to help them navigate that in a really healthy gospel centered way. It's good. Yeah. I love what you guys are doing, man. I'm thankful that you you're continuing that work and, and developing it. So well done. Good job. Thanks, man. Since we're calling, talking about calling with Am I Called, go ahead. There's a lot of guys that uh, I have a lot of young listeners, pastors, and primarily pastors have some older guys as well, but, but a lot of people are interested in calling and how to navigate because a lot of people have this, there's a, either a dream or some big moment that they just knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. It was almost like a conversion experience. And then others over a season of time felt like they were compulsed into ministry by others who recognized giftings and, and they came, I mean, dragging their knuckles and not wanting, you know, kicking and screaming kind of thing. So why don't don't you just tell us your call, internal, external call into ministry? I think it'll be helpful for guys to hear about it. Yeah, man, I think, I mean, you just laid out kind of a a both, right? Like there is this sometimes this deep internal just understanding like, man, the Lord's calling me to ministry. And then there's also this external call of people around me saying, hey, man, you're called to ministry. You need to go and do this. And I think there's probably there needs to be both in most, most guys. And, and they may, they may be weighted differently. Um, you know, there may be more of one than the other, but for me, I mean, it kind of the internal call came first. Um, it really did. I mean, I remember driving around on patrol back, back in Alice Springs, back at the, uh, you know, the base that I worked at for the federal police. And mm-hmm. I was doing this kind of like perimeter patrol. And I remember it was, it was nighttime. It was, it, I was on night shift. It was quiet. And I'm just praying like, Lord, what do you, what do you have for me? Cause here's the thing, man. I was like, I could be a faithful Australian federal police officer mm-hmm. and love the Lord, be a faithful member of a local church, be a husband, be a father, be all of those things and, you know, be, be happy yeah. and contribute in a meaningful way. And so it wasn't like, man, I really need to level up here. It was just a sense of like, Lord, what do you have for me? What do I need to do? I mean, what, what are you calling me to? And man, I, I felt just this, this is the best way I can explain it. Just the spirit of God 
just just bring such weight in that moment of like stop the car so you know, I stopped the car wow. and I just reached, I had a Bible in my bag that I carried, my patrol bag that I carried around. And so I just grabbed my Bible and I, I just flicked it open, you know, Bible roulette, right? Like <laughs> yeah. when, all, when yeah. all else fails, let the Holy Spirit open it to right. a page. And so just, just Bible rouletted it and dude, it opened up to Jeremiah chapter one. And wow. Jeremiah chapter one, verses four through eight, it's this beautiful scene, right? Where God calls Jeremiah and, you know, God says, hey, before, <laughs> awesome. you, before I formed you in the womb, I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah, and so here's like, I'm reading this and I'm like, but I'm too young. Cause at the point, at that point, I'm like 23, 24, okay, right? And I'm like, I'm, I'm too young, Lord. But then I keep reading and Jeremiah's response to God is, but I'm but a youth. So I'm too young, God. I was like, <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, I'm going to keep going here. Yeah. And so I keep reading and God says, Hey, you know, do not say I'm but a youth for wherever you go, I'll give you the words to speak. And so it was kind of this thing of like, man, that sealed it for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, there's been moments where I've gone back to question my calling. And that is, a, that is a, I mean, I call it like a moment of glory, right? There's a weightiness to that yeah. moment. And I think back, I'm like, you know what? No, but that, that was real. And, and the spirit of God was speaking through his word to me and, and said, okay, this is what I'm, what I'm calling you to. And so yeah. it was only a few months after that, that I ended up, you know, kind of leaving, leaving the role as with the federal police and kind of really pursuing theological education and really yeah. wanting to get prepared for that. But now moving to the external side of things, really serving in the local church, um, you know, just, just kind of like being faithful, moving chairs, lugging chairs around. I did this ministry where, you know, it was a weightlifting ministry with a bunch of kids from the local public school and just talking to them about Jesus and inviting them and, you know, into, 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 into the church where, you know, they'd never set foot in a church before and we'd lift weights and we'd talk about life. And um, that was really the sense where I began to feel like, man, okay, maybe God has gifted me here pastorally as well. And then I moved out to the States, came out to Seattle, came out to Mars Hill, I worked with a lead pastor um, who's just a dear friend and really it was it was these kind of moments with him asking him questioning him hey what do you see in me do you see these Mm. call do you see this calling do you see this um, these gifts and he was like yeah man I think you're going to be a lead pastor I think you could be a church planner I see these gifts in you that 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 are shaping you for specifically my role in ministry which is being a lead guy Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are other guys who other people look at them and say, you know what, I see probably some gifts here towards uh, being a family's pastor or you know, these different complementary things that happen within the church and really just, just kind of having him critically look at me and help me grow in self-knowledge as well as um, just kind of what's, what's he seeing. And then also yeah. saying, Hey bro, where am I weak? Where do I need to grow? You know, where's my theology week? Where is my practice week? What do I have I not done? And not using my weaknesses as an excuse to say, well, oh man, I'm not a very good counselor. So I'm not going to counsel and care. It's like, okay, I'm not a very good counselor. So how do I learn and grow? Yeah. How do I develop a heart yeah. for that so that I can be a better pastor? Man, that's good stuff. So awesome. You had a pastor come alongside of you like that as well. Cause it seems like yeah. there's a lot of, a lot of guys our age that had to forge their own way in a lot of ways where, where they couldn't find that pastor that came alongside of them. Yeah. And well, I mean, to that, bro, I prayed earnestly for four years. Okay. Earnestly, four years wow. for God to provide that for me. Praise God. That's and, so cool. And he did. I mean, he's, and he has. He's given, you know, given me multiple guys over, over yeah. my life. But it was four years of earnest prayer. Lord, I need an older man. And, and just, just, you know, praying and seeking that, but then also being just kind of discerning in that as well. Mm-hmm. And he provided it. And awesome. he was, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for that. So Good. Um, okay. So uh, your name 
and your experience in ministry, you've got to experience a lot. I mean, we're, I think similar ages, mid thirties yep. um, and, and had some differing ministry experiences, but yeah. you got to be at Mars Hill. And, and I think your name, when people find that out, they're always going to be intrigued. <laughs> kind of a dime a dozen kind of guy in the sense that you and I have similar stories. I started listening to Chandler in 04. Uh, and then I, I was reading, I read Rob Bell's book, uh, Velvet Elvis and Googled or podcast search for Mars Hill Church and actually <laughs> on Mark Driscoll. I was like, who's this guy? And then I started thinking, wait a minute, he's saying some different things than, than uh, what I read in Velvet Elvis. Yeah. Velvet Elvis. This is not, it's not, you know, something, something different here. And then through a couple other guys, just listened to a lot of sermons and just, I mean, just binge sermon listening. I mean, it just, yep. I mean, hours on end, day in and day out. And so learned a lot from everything that was happening at Mars Hill. And I'm just interested from you, what, you know, we all, we pick up in ministry things that we want to replicate, you know, yeah. so we, we, we observe and we have really positive experiences where we say, I want to be like that. And I want to replicate that in my life personally. And then in our local mm -hmm. church, whatever that good positive thing is. And then, yeah. then from the negative, you can either say, you can either grow bitter and, and angry mm -hmm. at the negative things yeah. you've experienced or you can positively learn from them and say, you know what, by the grace of God, I'm never going to do that. You know, mm -hmm. I'm never going to make that mistake. And mm -hmm. you say it lightly because you know, but for the grace of God, there go I kind of thing. Yeah, totally. But, but totally. you also kind of want to plant the flag in the ground and say, I'm, we're not going to do that. We're not going to fall in that pit. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm interested to hear, um, not, not, I don't really care less about details, but I would love to hear what did you learn positive from your experience at Mars Hill that you want to see replicated in your life and in the local churches that you serve? And then what would you say, we would never, I, I God help me to never help us to never make that mistake. Yeah, man, that, that's a great question. And I think it's important to, to just know like that even though Mars Hill ended in such a like horrendous nuclear meltdown, it wasn't all bad. Hmm. Um, definitely my experience was that it wasn't all bad. Yeah. And the one, one thing that I think above all that, that I would take and have taken out of Mars Hill and continue to um, propagate in my own life and then in, in the churches that I have led um, is just a love for the Word of God. Hmm. And Mars Hill loved the Bible. I mean, it got off, but don't get me wrong. Like this, this, this is a church that, ex, that just preached the Bible. I mean, they did, you know, the, for, you know tr tr find a mega church uh, in America that's going to take two and a half years to preach the gospel of Luke. <laughs> Right, like, no, and that's no, what Mars Hill did. No, no, no. Mars, Mars Hill, it, it just preached the gospel of Luke, just yeah. verse by verse, and it was they had that love for the Word of God, and they also had a, a real keen sense for having their ministries um, really be, be focused around the gospel and and the, the 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 beautiful claims that all who come to Christ can be forgiven their sin, washed clean again, as long as they they repent and turn to Jesus. And so yeah. that's the thing that I've just kept kept moving with, man. Like. I love the word of God. I preach verse by verse. We preach, preach through books of the Bible. And you know, here's the thing. It's just like, we just do that mm -hmm. and just make no yeah. apology for it. Cause Mars Hill made no apology for preaching the word of God yeah. and having all of their ministries focus on the word of God. And I think that's one thing that I've really wanted to keep and really wanted to encourage is, is that just having a word central, a gospel centered, hermeneutic in all that we do, in all, all of our ministries, our mercy ministries, our benevolence, our men's, women's, kids, students, Sunday services, worship, it needs to be grounded in, in, in a right understanding of the word of God and a gospel centered kind of interpretation of it. And so that's what we've done and we continue to do. And so that's, that's what, something I'm deeply thankful out of Mars Hill for. And man, just, just kind of moving to what I think 
you know, I've had to really learn. And you said it well, you know, but by the grace of God, so go I, mm-hmm. um, is sadly what happened at Mars Hill is that it became a place where, where people, um, you know, from the top to the bottom came to build a platform okay. for themselves. And here's the thing. It was, it was very easy to come along to Mars Hill and say, um, in the name of Jesus, I'm building a platform for right. myself. It was so easy to become so deeply kind of self-deceived in an understanding of what you were doing. Your motives were, were so shrouded by, man, but in the name of Jesus, we're reaching people in the name of Jesus. And, and I remember some of the early writing I did. I mean, I got to write for the resurgence and things like that. And as I look back, my motives were, I want more likes than the posts that have gone before me. Mm. I want more comments. I want more attaboys. I'm writing so that people will think that I'm smart, so that people will think that I'm valuable. And man, I just had to get like broken of that. And the best thing to get broken of that was Marcel dying and then becoming utterly insignificant in all of Christendom. Other than you kind of became a leper, honestly. Mm. It was like, oh, you went to, oh, you're you're a pastor at Mars Hill. At one point, people were like, wow, flocking to you. I want to learn all about these things you're doing. And then when Mars Hill dies, oh, you're a pastor at Mars Hill. It's like they were repulsed by you. It was almost at that point when you'd show up at a gathering of pastors, you're like, I need to yell unclean here. Mars Hill, unclean, Mars (laughs) Hill, unclean. And and that was the best thing for me, honestly. It totally broke my sense of like, man, I'm important or I have any sense of a platform because people are utterly disgusted by me now. So (laughs) um, (laughs) yeah, man. So, I mean, that was it. I I really, really felt like um, I had to break the idea that I needed to build a platform Mm -hmm. for myself and I needed to love the people in front of me. That's good. So now um, how with, with this motive now, because you're putting out content, I'm putting out content and, mm-hmm. and praying that it's helpful for people and it's encouraging mm-hmm. to pastors in particular. Mm-hmm. So yep. h- how do you guard that? Is it a day to day thing? Because you're continuing to put out content. What's, yeah. what's different now than when you were clicking on and refreshing the page and seeing how many likes were there and brother, I've been there. I've done the same yeah. thing. written for different yeah. platforms and then went back, you know, legitimately 25 times during that day to check and see how it's doing. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah. you know ashamed. I look, I'm thinking, my goodness, that's so terrible. I mean, it's just yeah. wasted time. It's a time waster. It's an ego thing. And so, how do you? Where's your heart now? And is yeah. it a mixture? Is it a mixture of of think upon the day? Man, I, I think it's something I'm always going to have to fight. You know, yeah. I think pride is something I'm always going to have to fight. You mean you're not over pride yet, Ryan? I mean, come on. Sadly not. Sadly. Here's the thing. Here's the most discouraging thing I ever heard. Somebody once asked John Piper, what's the hardest thing in his Christian life? He's like the slow speed of my own sanctification. Yeah. And I was like, if John Piper is lamenting, like, yeah. man, I'm just, I'm just so slow to be like Jesus. I'm like, well, what hope is there for the rest of us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so for me, man, it, it's actually become just, I think we call it what blessed self-forgetfulness in, in some sense of like, I feel, I feel deeply compelled to write mm-hmm. and, and share experience. And I think, I think that, I hope that's helpful. Um, yeah, but absolutely. it is this freedom in just simply saying, okay, I'm going to put this out with open hands and say, Lord, do with this what you will. Yeah. Um, do I mean, and w- whether that means that it's like my mom and my wife and myself are the only ones that read it. Cause my mom reads everything I write because she loves mine, me. Mine um, <laughs> and, but, but it is the thing. And here's, here's a beautiful thing that God does is that something that I feel is like, man, that's subpar. That's just not very good. And, but I'm like, all right, we should put it out anyway. The Lord uses and uses in people's lives and we get feedback on it. And I'm like, how did you use that? That was terrible. Yeah. And then the stuff that I'm like, man, that is just 
on point. I am articulate. I've got it together. It's like my mom, my wife and myself are the only ones that read it. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. You do what you're going to do, which just frees me, right? Frees me to just put it before him and say, help, help pastors, strengthen your body, strengthen the local church by strengthening your shepherds. And that's, that's the hope. Yeah. And I I think, uh, I don't know about you, but I've got a, with with what I'm looking at now is I'm trying to think about 20 years, 30 years down the road here, because I, I realize that at this stage, we're older than a lot of guys that are getting into ministry, but we're a lot younger than than most pastors. I yeah. mean, if you just poll most pastors, I don't know what the median age is, but we're a lot younger than most pastors. And so um, the possible audience is an older audience. If you just say every pastor in America and around the world is a possible you know person who could tune in. But um, I'm trying to walk humbly and realizing that there's so much that I have to learn from anybody who would listen in. I could learn mm-hmm. so much from them. And so I'm trying to not come at this as an expert. And it sounds like you're exactly the same way. And yeah. just wanting to help, you know, just there's a lot of guys that we see it all the time in ministry. I mean, you got, you know, people in your life. I see people in my life that are just, that have struggled and are struggling. And so yeah. wanting to do everything I can to help. Okay. Now. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, when I started Bible college, I got told uh, this statistic, and this might be Australian, not, not American, but I got told that, that hey, 80% of you, looking, looking at a, a class of seminary students, 80% of you will not be in ministry in five years' time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, as I've tracked the lives, you know, through social media, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is the best way to track people's lives right now, right. it holds true. Yeah. yeah One think- out of five is still going to be in a ministry role in five years' time. Yeah. It's a yeah, huge it- number. It is a huge of people game. who would say, I'm cold. I'm here. Yeah, I'm at right. seminary. Yeah. And then four out of five are gone in five years. Yeah. So whatever we can do to help people on that way, man, yeah. I would keep, keep pastors in the posture for real. And you know, there's a, there's a line here and I'm working this out even as we speak here. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want people's identity pastor, a pastor before a pastor is a pastor. He's a Christian. He's, he's yeah. a child of God. You've got to get that right. And if you don't have those priorities in place, you're going to do a lot of damage and you're going to crush yourself. So you're going to crush people. You're going to crush yourself. If you, if your identity is I'm, I am a pastor. Yeah. So if, if I got, you know, have explained it in the past and, and I've kind of used Lloyd Jones's quote about the highest and greatest calling any man can ever be called is the, is the, the title or the calling of preacher. And I've said, man, that's that, that plays well. It retweets well, but yeah. I, being a, being a, a, a Christian and a husband and a father is way better than being a pastor. So if I get, yeah for instance, shot in the jugular somehow in a street fight and I can't preach the rest of my life. It's not going to destroy my life. No. But then there's this other thing, what we're talking about here, there has to be this stick to it of nature where we challenge guys to get your head up. God's called you to this work. Don't quit. It's not your identity, but it is your calling. You know, this is what God's called you to. And so there has to be that middle line of some, there has to be somewhere where we don't get in one side of the ditch or the other, where we say, this is your identity. No. Okay. It's not your identity, but it also is something God has called you to. So don't quit, you know, yeah. keep going yeah. move forward, take another step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just practice fortitude. And I think, I think a lot of guys quit because they enter with the desire for platform and when platform doesn't come or uh, notoriety doesn't come or whatever it is, mm-hmm. they're like, man, okay, well, what's, what am I doing this for? And I think we've moved away from faithfulness Mm-hmm. to God's people as, oh, yeah. as the mark of a shepherd yeah, and just yeah. saying faithfulness, stand between the wolves and the sheep, yeah. you know, be just faithful to, to a flock, however big God would give you. Yeah. And that is the mark 
rather than man, how many people are reading what you're writing or, you know, retweeting what you're tweeting or following you on social media, whatever it might be, whatever the mark of our own prideful hearts might be. Let's get rid of that. Mm -hmm. What are the marks of a faithful shepherd? That's good. It's really good. Okay. A lot of guys just on a practical level, let's switch a little bit. I'm just going to, I'm skipping one question because you addressed it a little bit earlier on Am I Called? And again, if anybody has any questions about Am I Called, reach out to Ryan, go to the website, check it out. I'll put all that stuff in the show notes as well for the guys that are interested. Um, But uh, I know a lot of pastors are interested in the schedule. I remember sitting in my office at a church building. We were in a teen town in Heron, Illinois. It was my first pastorate. I was 24. We had planted this church and I'm looking around wondering what in the world am I supposed to be doing? You know, like (laughs) what on earth? I have nobody telling me, no, nobody giving me a list of activities or or responsibilities to just no idea. So a lot of guys trying to figure out schedule, especially in their first pastorate. And, and and I see that guys get lost in this for 20 years. It can be the mid forties and fifties and they still feel like they've got somebody staring over their shoulder and they just don't know what to do. And so they just fill their time up and their schedule up with, I mean, it's kind of like Eugene Peterson's work, the contemplative pastor, when he talks about, in the lazy pastor chapter. I don't know if you've read that or not, but okay, it's fantastic. But he talks about how anything that's remotely close to being spiritual that can be assigned to the pastor, what pastors will do is just fill it up in their schedule so they can feel good about going to bed at night because they've done something remotely close to being spiritual, but they don't actually know what they're supposed to be doing. So would you just kind of give us, I know that schedules are different now with the coronavirus, but let's just say coronavirus aside, what would a normal week look like for you, schedule look like for Pastor Ryan Williams? Yeah, I mean, this is something I've struggled with uh, as well. You know, I think I probably spent the first five five years of my ministry utterly worn out because I felt like I needed to say yes to everything mm-hmm. to justify my role, right. to justify I'm why I'm getting paid, paid by the church. Yeah, yeah. If somebody says I can only meet at 9.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. on uh, at Wednesday, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, okay. my wife's looking at me like, you're going to what? Like, yeah. no, no, like I need you home to like help right. me here. And so... Um, for me, I mean, the, one of the things that, that's blessed me the most is setting a schedule and blocks of time, you know, for different purposes, you know, meeting with people, you know, managing staff, sermon prep, and sticking to it. Okay. And I know when, when my soul is getting crushed, it's because I'm not sticking to what I've agreed to. And here's the thing, my elders are fully supportive of me doing this. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I feel these expectations yeah. that my elders don't have of me. And honestly, most of the church doesn't have of me. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's what, what grinds me down. But I mean, basically, I mean, my, my schedule's pretty simple. Um, you know what? Mondays, I come into the office, I pray, and I plan for my week. Mm-hmm. I look at what I've got. I look at what I need to do and I plan it out. I make sure that, you know, that I'm not going to be doing a stupid amount of hours. I make sure that, that if I can move something to make it more life-giving, I will move it. Um, I look at the text that I'm going to be preaching. And honestly, Monday mornings is me just kind of like bathing in the text, just mm-hmm. reading it, understanding it. I generally will jot out like a one-page outline of just kind of what comes to me out of the text and yeah. make sure that I've got that. And then that, that just that, that sets me in a good frame of mind, knowing that I've got another six days before I need to preach this text, but mm-hmm. I'm in it early. I'm yep. in it because I want the I want the spirit to 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 illuminate things in there. I want I want my interactions with the people to be thinking through. And how do the people that I'm interacting with need to apply this into their lives? What are they struggling with? What idols are they wrestling with? How does the gospel illuminated out of this text that I'm preaching help them? And so that starts Monday morning, um, which is which is great. Um, Tuesday mornings I call that meeting hell. Um, but these are things because I hate meetings. But I, I'm like if I can slam them all 
into a morning, that's what I'm going to do. So I meet with my executive pastor to begin with. We plan out the week. We talk about, you know, what's happening. What do we need to do? Have a staff meeting straight after that. Um, we, we kind of go over, you know, what's happening around the church. We do, um, we're taking the staff through the 1689 London Baptist Confession okay. right now, yeah. just kind of like theologically developing them. Then I meet one-on-one with the staff member just to check in on their ministry, see how I can support them, love them, care for them. What do they need so that they can succeed in their role? Um, and then generally, you know, I, I have that afternoon. I'm brain dead at that point. So I just, I just, just go take care of correspondence, you know, do emails, things like that. And then I have community group that evening. So that's, that's a lot of, a lot of what Tuesday looks like. Wednesdays, sermon prep, Wednesday afternoons, I do leadership development with my guys. And so I'm um, taking them through uh, Spurgeon's letters to his students right now, awesome. just awesome. reading a chapter, talking it through, engaging with them, really helping them think through what is pastoral ministry look like in a more practical way mm-hmm. um, obviously having to translate from the mid 1800s to to, yeah. to the early 2000s but um, that, that's what we do and then Thursdays I wrap up my sermon writing. I generally do most of my sermon writing on Thursdays. Yeah. I send off my slides. I'm generally done by Thursday afternoon um, because I, I really want to to break up Friday and Saturday. So Fridays, I'll do a little bit of work from home, but I'm, I'm present with my family. Saturdays, I'm with my family. Um, very rarely do I do anything unless I have to do it, obviously. And then Sundays, we preach, we pray, we engage. Obviously, pre-corona, um, you know, we're, we're here. But, I mean, that's, that's meeting with people, engaging with them, loving them, preaching them, having lunch with them, um, following up with them, having dinner with folks, all, all that kind of yeah. stuff, which is just, I mean, the icing on the cake is the gathering on Sundays. And so yeah. that's, that's where we're at. It's good stuff, man. Well, yeah. hey, I want to I want to bring every interview I do to the glory of God and just praise Him for His grace. And so I ask a question to everybody I interview at yeah. the end: of Why, you know, Ryan? Why do you love Jesus? And and just set you up for praising Jesus for His grace. Ryan, why do you love Jesus so much, brother? Man, uh, because when I don't, He still loves me. Oh, that's good, man. That's yeah, it. Good. I mean, that's it. Because I constantly fail. Yeah. You know, I constantly fall short. Um, and he loves me still. Um, he's faithful to me through all things. Um, everything that, that I go through, he's faithful to trials and the triumphs. He's faithful and, and good. Um, he's my hope that, that all things are going to be made new. So when things suck <laughs> and there's a challenging day and there's death and destruction and disease and all of this, man, it just steals my, my hope into him that he's one day going to make all things new again. And there's not going to be any of this darkness and any of this brokenness again. Um, he provides me with everything I need for life and godliness. He's given me a faithful, godly wife. He's given me two boys that I just adore and love and just, just hope to see them worship him um, for, their, for their whole lives and walk faithfully with him. Um, he's committed to me more than I am to myself. Um, here's the thing, man. I, I struggle with discouragement and shame and guilt and all these different things. And, and he's just, he's an ever present help in trouble. Um, and he's, he's the, the steel in my spine when I feel like I've got, got nothing. He's kind to me when I'm down, when I'm depressed, when I'm anxious, he's kind, he's not brutal. He's not hard. He's not demanding. Uh, he's kind. Um, he's the resolve. Um, when I want to quit, he reminds me of these moments where he has called me to this good work that is pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, when I want to quit, when I want to resign, when I want to be done with it and go work at a butcher shop, which is my fallback career. Um, and uh, he's, he's there. He's, he's there for me when I need that. He draws me, draws me near when I'm far off in sin. 
um, when I when I expect that I would get a telling off or I would be scolded or you know or yelled at um, when I'm when I'm in sin when I'm in in you know the cesspool of my own pride or arrogance or whatever it might be he draws me near and loves me still um, and he's just worthy of my everything man He's just worthy of my everything. I mean, I think it was like Polycarp who said as they were lighting him, you know, 80 and six years have I served him and he's never once abandoned me. And man, I'm only, I'm only like a couple a decade and a bit into it, but he's never once abandoned me and he's just worthy of my everything um, because he gave, gave himself for me. And so, I mean, what is it for me with his help, with the power of the spirit to just simply return back um, obedience and love to him? That's nothing, man. And so, Man, that's why I love Jesus because he loves me more than I could ever imagine. That's fantastic. Well, man, I've really enjoyed this conversation. And yeah, everybody, everybody listening in, thanks for tuning in. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thanks, Jared. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.